sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. I welcome you to the second day of Daughter I Can Make It. Amen. Amen. Daughter. Okay. Um, I always say that women are unique beings. And I always say that we were not taken directly from the soil. We were taken from the side of man. So with no apologies, we are a more refined species. When you take something straight from the mud and you make it, it's a good thing, but it's different. When you take something from the side of flesh, then it's also something else. And God's creation was not perfect without woman. The Bible says Adam was here. And he had God himself to fellowship with him. And yet, it was not good that he was alone. And so God had to unleash his latest creation. Which is woman. Hallelujah. And after woman came, God had no more complaints. When man was created, God had complaints. It's not good that he's alone. Although everything he had made, he said it was good. But after we came, he didn't utter the statement, it's not good anymore. Because his creation was complete. Hallelujah. When you look at the Bible in Luke 8, the Bible says that different women followed Jesus. One of them was Mary, out of whom seven demons had been cast. And then Joanna, the wife of Chusa, and Susanna, and the other Mary, and other women. And so Jesus encountered different kinds of women, with different kinds of situations. But he had use for all of them. And so even if seven demons are driven out of us, we are still very useful to God. And he still needs us to finish his picture. And to finish what he's writing. Joanna was the wife of a very important person. Herod Stewart. But because of Jesus, she and Mary could walk together. Because they had found a common destiny. No matter where we are or our status of life. There's a certain need that only Jesus can fill. And that is what gives us common place. 
for, because we all have a need. Sometimes people say, but um, you are, you've led a very protected life. You never did anything bad. You were not molested. Whatever. But everybody has a story. Amen. And Jesus certainly teaches us that. Now, when you look at the lives of many women in the Bible, if we are honest with ourselves, we can relate to their problems and their struggles. If I give you the example of Hannah, you can relate to what it feels like to have a woman who is your rival and to talk to a man about it and he doesn't understand. Because Elkanah said, why do you always weep? You're always behaving like you have problems. Am I not better to you than ten sons? No, you are not. You are a husband. A husband is different from a child. Hallelujah. And so, Elkanah thought, I give you the double portion. I show you that I love you. That should be enough. If you don't have a child, you have me. And I'm more than ten sons. How many women know that doesn't mean that? So, Hannah had... A man who loved her but could not understand her. But the sister who could understand her would also not flow with her. Mercy. The Bible says that her adversary provoked her sore. For to weep and to fret. She pushed her so much so that she would weep and she would fret. And sometimes it may not be over a man. But a sister can rub you the wrong way. And we all know what it feels like to be rubbed off on the wrong side of our body. We don't enjoy it. But when it's happening to somebody else, we say, but what is this? She should just pull herself together and whatever. As if we don't know what it feels like. And we behave just like Penina. Or the Americans say Penina. Who behaved as if she didn't know what was happening to Hannah. Hannah was left at a point where she was alone. She and her God. And God answered her prayer. Amen. We can relate to Rahab the harlot. We sometimes pushed through circumstances and situations to find herself in compromising situations just to make ends meet. Or just so that she thinks that she will find some meaning in what she's doing. But she doesn't. We can relate to Elizabeth, who is stricken in years, serving the Lord. The Bible says blameless, and yet she has no child. Sometimes you are blameless before God, but you have an unexpected situation that you don't understand. And Elizabeth was confronted with that. They didn't just say she was the wife of Zechariah. The Bible says that They were both righteous and blameless, walking in all the commandments of the Lord. Do you know what the Old Testament commandments were like? And for the Bible to say you walked in all, we are under grace and we can't walk in all. And yet Elizabeth walked in all and still needed a miracle. When we look at the mirror of the women in the Bible, may we see our reflection. And may it help us to be there for somebody else. Amen. Anyway, this is just by the way. This morning, we are going to have um, a series of tidbits today. 
And we're going to have a question and answer time after lunch. So you have to write your questions down. And by God's grace, we'll go through every question and every answer. But I want to talk to you about how to be found. How to be found. We all know that the Bible says when a man has found a wife, he has found a good thing. And he obtains favor from the Lord. Now why does the Bible say when a man has found a wife? Because when you are found, you are not a wife yet. So why should the Bible say when a man has found a wife? It means that you are a wife before you are found. Amen. Amen. And sometimes the Lord takes us through many things to equip us to be wives. Many times we think that when we read Mills and Boone, we think that life is like Mills and Boone. But those of us who have lived a little longer know that life is not like Mills and Boone. Amen. And so we have to prepare for what God has for us. Once I told a lady in Accra who had been believing God for it, uh, a husband, she kept saying, Sister, man, when will God answer? I've been praying. I've been... And at a point I said, You know what? I'm not God. And I appreciate the fact that you need to get married. But looking at you just with my eyes of clay, I can see that you are not ready for marriage. Because she kept meeting people and she would be quarreling over things that I didn't understand. Once she found a very nice beloved and she had a car, he didn't. So they were sitting in the car going somewhere and then he made a comment, oh, instead of going this way to eat or so, let's go to my family house and say hello to them. Then after that, we can go in. And she immediately pulled the brakes. Get down. Get down, get down, get down. Quickly, quickly. Close the door, get down. <laughs> is, 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 is that what we planned? Get down, get down, get down. <laughs> she stopped the guy, the car. The guy got down in the middle of nowhere and she drove off. And later she was telling you see, he won't plan anything. You are just going there. He says, let's go here. Hey, do you know what marriage entails? <laughs> and once she told me, you know, Sabab, the reason why I have these problems is because I'm a woman of the millennium. <laughs> and I said... If that is the definition for a woman in the millennium, then you are not ready to marry. Another one of her prospective husbands took her to his family house. And when she got there, she realized that one of the uncles also was a pastor. So he said, oh, your prospective wife, she has to come for deliverance because, you know, she's associated to the, to chieftaincy, associated with chieftaincy and all that. So she has to come and she was very angry. <laughs> He didn't tell me that when we go, they will talk about all these things. 
So she just took her bag and stood at the door. Kwame, Kwame, come, come on, let's go. In the presence of her mother-in-law to be. <laughs> and her father-in-law, to, I told her, you see, only these three issues show me that you are not ready for marriage at all. So sometimes you are praying for something, but God is not answering. Because he knows that you are not ready. I told her, if you marry today, you will divorce tomorrow. I know. From just your manifestations. I said, all that you are doing, everybody is capable of doing. But the way you are a spirit-controlled woman, something will control you. You know? And then later she will cry and say, Oh, it's true. I regret. I'm learning. I said, so you learn the lessons. I don't think. Because God allows people to come, but you always mess up. You're angry. Facing people left, right, and center. I said, marriage, it takes humility and submission to marry. But you, between going to eat and going to the family house, you're angry. What about between Ghana and Jamaica? The Bible says in Luke 14, verse 28, For which of you intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he has laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock at him. Getting married... It's more than building a tower. The Bible is using the analogy of building a tower that if when you want to build a tower, you sit down and you count the cost first to see if you are able to finish it. Marriage is not unfinished business. So first of all, if you intend as a woman to be married one day, you have to sit down and count the cost. If you don't know the cost, look around you. You will see the cost. (laughs) If you don't know the cost, you must talk to other women who are married. You must look at other biblical stories and you will see the cost. Then you sit down and say, this thing, can I afford it? Or is it too expensive? (laughs) Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 19. We are reading from verse 12. From verse 11 and 12, Matthew 19. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. So it's saying that eunuchs are people who have been castrated. They don't have any sentiments and any feelings. They don't get married. And he says that there are some people who are born eunuchs from their mother's womb. So maybe not all of us are intended to marry. Some of us may not have the natural desire to be married. And it doesn't make us 
less human. And it doesn't make us less valuable or less worth anything. You know, not to be mine. The Bible says some are born eunuchs. It means that they don't have the desire to marry. But sometimes society pushes us. Pressure from the family pushes us. And we feel that we ought to marry. Sometimes you have the desire to marry. But you are not ready now. Sometimes you have the desire to marry. But you are just being foolish. This one comes and you laugh. Oh, look at his trousers. They are just not right. I don't know if I've told you the story before, but I had a friend or friends in Volta Hall at Lagon. And every time somebody would propose to them, they would come and show me the letter. And they would laugh as a whole. There was one who said, let's go for a moonlight walk. So what moonlight walk? We won't even consider to see, is a person a good brother? Is he God-fearing? We found it funny. Moonlight walk, oh, please wrap the asaito. And then we'll just... Dismiss the person. Another person will come, so his jokes are not funny. He should go somewhere. You know, so sometimes you can be very airy in your thinking. And there are times when I feel a bit sad because my, one of my closest friends, she got a beloved and he was a prospective beloved. We went home on holiday and he just showed up at her house. Her mother was doing some gardening. He immediately took off his shirt, started weeding. What is that? We said, why? Does he think you are Jacob and Laban? He's dismissed. We thought that why should you come and take off your shirt? Start weedy. I mean, you are in a hurry. What is this? But maybe that was the trait of somebody who is really hardworking and practical as he is. But because of the airiness of our thinking, we said, what is this? You've come. No, just hi. You've seen my mother doing God. You've removed your shirt. You have started with it. What is wrong with you? Well, we left school and my friend still remained unmarried. And um, even in school, on one occasion, one of Bishop's friends was interested in her. And then Bishop came and said, Oh, this guy is going to propose. I said, It will never work. So, how do you know? I said, She has told me. And then he said, No, 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 no. Well, we went to the north on our medical, community health, whatever. He bought her that northern bag and she received it. He bought her the slipper. I said, she doesn't like him. So she, he liked, he told me she likes him. So against my advice, the guy went to propose and it didn't work. <laughs> it fell flat. But after school, then I was now praying with my friend, believing God that she would get a nice husband. And I felt so sorry. And then my husband said to me, you see your giggling and your girlish jokes. Eh? You people, you won't even look at the thing properly. And I said, Lord, I repent. So if you are here and you have that type of thinking, please change now before it's too late. Anyway, by the grace of God, my friend did get married. And she's happy. And we thank God for another chance. <laughs> Amen. So some are born eunuchs. Some become eunuchs by men, like the Catholic Church. You know, maybe the religious order to which they belong says that if you want to be a priest or whatever, you do not marry. So men make you eunuchs. 
And then some become eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake. They decide themselves, we're not going to marry for the kingdom of God's sake. So decide this morning which category you fall into. And then if you have decided that you are still believing God for a mate to marry, then here is how to be found. And if you have been found already, and you need to make some corrections midstream, this message is also for you. Amen. Genesis 24. Genesis 24. You have to sit down and count the costs. Genesis 24. Reading from verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his elder servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I'll make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country unto my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, verse 5, Peradventure, the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware, thou, thou, that thou bring not my son thither again. The, God, the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee. And thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. Nowadays, we don't ask God. We don't ask his opinion. We don't ask that he sends an angel before us. We just propose. Verse 8. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swear to him concerning that matter. And the servant took Ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast shown kindness unto my master." And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Melchah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin. Neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, 
drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. Verse 19. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace to wait whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Verse 22, and it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bore unto Nahor. She said, Moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. Amen. Amen. Now, the name Rebecca means captivating. Captivating. And one thing that Abraham insisted on when he was given Eliza instructions was that do not take a wife from the Canaanites. Don't take a wife from the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Many of us sisters, we know God's word that it says we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But we give various reasons. 25 reasons why we should marry that person. Sometimes we substitute morality for being born again. But being moral and being born again are two different things. Because being born again gives you a new spirit. Being moral is something that you struggle to do within your flesh. And when it doesn't suit you at a point, you will give up and it will fail. But when you are born again, your spirit cries out to God, Abba Father. And you want to do what is right before God. So when you marry a man who fears God, he does things not because of you always but because he fears God and there are many times he will be in places you are not there but because of his personal conviction and his work with the Lord he will do the right things because the Bible says that all things are naked unto him with whom we have to do and so God is actually saving us heartache trauma and pain when he says that we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers but we don't see it that way. We feel that God is giving us an inconvenience. And God is being a hindrance. And perhaps God is not romantic. He doesn't know what falling in love is all about. But God has our interest at heart. That's why he says, do not, do not, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has light with darkness? And what fellowship has God with Belial? You are the temple of the living God. But all these things, we think they are poems or something by Tennyson or John Keats. But we don't think that God meant it. We move from there to being unequally yoked. Sometimes you are even married to a Christian. But you, you don't have the same destination. And you don't have the same aspirations. 
He's thinking this way, you're also thinking this way. The Bible says, can any two walk except they be agreed? So your interests are far apart. And then you are going to walk with him. For what? Is he the only savior in the world? Jesus Christ is the only savior. So ladies, if we want to be found, we have to obey God's word. Like Abraham told Eliza, do not take a wife from among these Canaanites. I don't want it. And it was very inconvenient to travel all the way to Mesopotamia to look for a wife. Do not marry just because it's convenient. Lady Pastor, we share the same flat. So it's convenient. So something develops and we flow along with it. And before we know we are husband and wife because of the convenience of proximity. Sometimes we marry for the convenience. Oh, he has money. He has this. He can do one, two, and three for me. He has papers. But how do you know that that money is going to last? And there are times when we all go through different seasons of being broke. It's okay. And then you get broke a little. You get a challenge at work and all that. And you are marrying him for what he can give you. For credit card, paper, so that you can dress in a certain way. You get all these things and you realize that the convenience store that you shopped at is not bringing you joy. I am so happy that God gave me the grace to marry my husband at the time when he had nothing. Amen. When he was in Lagon, he used to come on holidays to London, to Switzerland, but he would never buy any clothes. He would always buy books and tapes. And then when he became my beloved, I said, look, you need to upgrade your wardrobe. You can't always be wearing jeans, t-shirt, the same thing. So far, and he said, oh, but so far as they are clean. I said, no. You need to introduce a bit of variety into your life. And so when I would travel, I also try and buy one more t-shirt, one more shirt as a present, you know, and things like that. But I never thought as we moved along that Lighthouse would become anything that it has become today. Or that even in ministry, we would be anything. Because when we were coming up, there were no churches really. The only thriving church we knew about was Action. And even then, we were in a fellowship, so we hardly went to Action. Once in a while, we would visit Action. But it was more fellowship, Calvary Road, Bible study, what you are being taught, and then witnessing and follow-up. When the church started, we never prayed for church growth. Increase us with men as a flock. We didn't know that verse. We just knew go into all the world, go into all the world, make disciples. You know, so when we witness to you, we follow you up. That's the main thing. We didn't know that church needed to grow. We didn't take any offering. I mean, there are so many things I didn't know. But I just thank God for the grace I had to follow. You know, and even people said to me, but why are you interested in this guy? For me, he was my Prince Charming. But not everybody saw it that way. And even one of my aunts called me one night because she was staying in the same house with me then and said, look, 
All the other guys who come, they are more established. They are, why? Why do you want to go this way? I said, if you knew the treasure and who this person is, you would not talk like that. I said, it's because you are inexperienced. You don't know, so you are just choosing. But I believed then that we had prayed and we knew what God had in store in terms of the fact that he would be faithful. I'm sure that I've told you stories about my wedding and how so many things. My father said, how can I come to a church which meets in a canteen? Me. A great Methodist man like me. Everybody knows. How can I invite my president to a church that meets in a canteen with just a handful of people? And then my father-in-law said, do you think Bishop Thompson will come to that eating place? Do you think so? And they went to Rich Church. Please, our children need help. There's something wrong with them. They need help. And so the pastor there said, okay, they should come, but they should sign an undertaking to close down their church, number one. And we'll counsel them, and they have to come to this church and not have their church again. And then we said, we can't pay that price. And they said, why can't you pay that price? Then somebody told them, oh, it's a cult. That's why. They are very, very, very careful about what they do. That's why they say they can't close down the church. But we felt that God had called us. And I wasn't a wife yet, but there were so many challenges. And my father would say, when his friends come, "Uh, what church did you say you were getting married in? (laughs) And then before I could answer, he would say, traffic light, or so no, or so no, uh, touch light, which one? And I would say, light out. L- light what? Light what? So there was nothing glittering in that sense, you know, at the time. And even when we finished school and we were working, and then there was yet another milestone of my husband wanted to come full time. That was also something else. Now they began to put the pressure on me because he said, please, don't mention this thing again. I think that God has called me. So now... They were calling me to say, so won't you influence him? So what do you think? You know, and then I would say to my father-in-law, well, he believes that God has called him. He has to obey the call. I don't know. That was my simple thinking that if somebody believes that God has called him, he has to obey because at the judgment seat, he stands alone to answer that question. And I think that I wasn't so sophisticated in my thinking. So I didn't think, how will we eat? Will we survive? By some grace, I didn't have all those thoughts. It's like, we'll survive. And so even when I had my first child, and we couldn't afford infant formula. So we used other formula. It didn't occur to me that this man has brought me to a hard place. It didn't occur to me. I thought that, well, I have my husband. We are doing God's work. We are happy. And we are flowing. You know? But when I look back, I think it must have been a type of grace. And all the persecutions that the church went through, And at one stage before we got married, there was a guy who was Bishop's lecturer. And he was a Baptist. And he had written a letter to me, dear Adley, I think we'll we'll have to get married, this and that and that. And he was teaching my beloved to be. So I said, this man must not know. (laughs) Otherwise he will fail my... (laughs) 
my beloved, it won't be easy. So once he came to visit me at Ringway Estates, when he came, I'd gone out with Peshaw. And that's how we're not really beloved. It was like now warming up. So he sat down for a long time. And my mother was very happy. I mean, here's this man from Cape Coast. He speaks fancy. He's already an accomplished doctor. It's not somebody who is now struggling to see whether he will pass his exams. You know, so when he comes, she'll be pulling the curtains and making milkshake. And or when my husband comes, I should just say, good afternoon. They couldn't see what I was seeing. And coupled with the fact that he was also a gun. So they said a lot of things. This man will beat you all the time. What I'm trying to say is that there was nothing humanly speaking that could indicate to me what the future would be. But then we both said, look, it's true we are getting to know each other, but we want God's will. And so we talked and we said, if we ever think that this is not God's will, we will pull out of it. And we will not, be, we will not enter a relationship. And then we took time to pray and all that. And we believed that was God's will. And that we went for it. And today, look what the Lord has done. Every time people have to take a hard decision for God or do something drastic, my heart goes out to them. When I look at my own story, I can confidently tell them that God is faithful. And that he will bless them beyond their wildest dreams. As I follow my husband around, you know, when we were in LA standing there and then there's a Washington and Magic, my, um, Magic Johnson's wife was coming forward and she wants to bear fruit for the Lord as I sat in that church they called me to say hello I said, how did I get here I could never have guessed in all the years that Lord take me here do this to me you know give us this I could never have asked so when the Bible says he's able to do far more exceedingly abundantly above all that you think or imagine it is true you know and when we will get to our hotel room my husband will ask me mommy what are we doing here and I said it's the Lord who has brought us here they took us for a ride on Beverly Hills hmm. mercy <laughs> and we had the opportunity of going into one of the homes oh I thought I had seen things in magazines and in books. But I tell you, this one is something else. I thought I had seen mansions in Ghana. When you ask, who stays here? Oh, it's a one-family building. One family. It's like a city. (laughs) Drove up to where Magic Johnson lives. Denzel Washington. These are members in the church. Angela Bassett's husband came and so bishop i'm really happy to meet you and sat by us to have breakfast and then sparks there's a sparks guy who comes on television and then little something he's big listow tiny oh please pass me the sugar (laughs) and it's all because of just a little obedience one step after the other 
So you may not see all that on a man when you meet him, but he may have potential and eyes for the future. Amen. And you also may have a contribution to make to who he becomes. Not that you are, you, you are coming to the marriage for what you will get. You will find out that in marriage you give more than you get. That is how marriage is. So don't marry because of convenience. And don't be so driven with the desire to marry that you are prepared to abort God's call and all that he has called you to do. Eliza said, if I don't find a wife there, can I take Isaac back to Mesopotamia so that he goes to live there and maybe find a wife? He asked Abraham. Abraham said, no, God has called me out of there. Marriage should not be something that takes me backwards from what God has called me to do. Many times you will have that temptation of retreating, taking steps to go back. But God has given you a call and a mandate. And God knows that that call and mandate can work with a partner. God knew that he would be able to provide Isaac with a partner, but it didn't mean that Isaac has to travel all the way back. Abraham said, see to it that you do not take him back because God took me out of there out of my father's house and my kindred to this place. So do not take Isaac back in the quest for a wife. May the call of God and the giftings of God on your life not be submerged or killed because you decided to get married. No matter what it is, if you are really, really driven, God will give you grace to fulfill that call. Amen. Amen. Now, When the man got to the well, he prayed. And he said, show kindness to my master by showing me the damsel who, when she comes, I ask to give me water, will give me, and then give my camels also. She will be the one who is to be chosen. He said, show kindness. Men, marriage is God's kindness to you. God gives us women to you as an act of kindness. And you have to appreciate it. It's a show kindness to my master Abraham by giving Isaac the right wife. Show kindness. But you live with us so much, you have taken us for granted. And you have forgotten to appreciate us. When we cook, you think it's your right. When we serve you, you think it's your right. And you never say thank you. Or never say that you appreciate us. It's the little things that matter to a woman. Not the big BMW that you can buy her. It's the little things. Show kindness to my master Abraham. See the presence of your wife in your life as God's act of kindness to you. Some of you, if God had not given you the wife you have. Your whole ministry would have been messed up. If God had not given you the type of wife he's given you, your whole financial world would have collapsed. 
And you would not even have a home to come to. Show kindness to my master Abraham. From today. From today. Begin to notice when your wife mops the floor. Begin to notice when she does the washing up. Begin to notice when you come and things are in order. And she cooks for you and cares for your children. Begin to notice. Show kindness. Anyway, that's a little aside for the men. If you want to be found as a woman, go to a place where people congregate. Rebecca was going to the well. The Bible says that's where all women would come to. But some of us, we want to be married, but we are so introverted. Even when they smile at you, your face is like you've drunk lemon juice. I admit that some temperaments find it easier to flow socially. But you don't have to be talkative to be sociable. As a woman, you have to be approachable. If we can't approach you, how can we find you? If we can't approach you, how can we talk to you? One lady, my daddy said to her, your face is always squishy. She said, that's how my face is. My father said, it's not true. That's not how your face is. And my father taught me that a woman is a magnet. You must always smile. That is your strength. Amen. Some of us are so self-centered, thinking of just ourselves, that we don't go to a place where people congregate and where we can touch other people's lives. No, we are always thinking about ourselves. Today, I'm not happy. Today, I have a problem. Today, things are not right. Today, I don't have money. Today, I, 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 the whole day. And we are so self-centered that we cannot be found. And we are so removed from everything and everybody. We come to the church, but as soon as they close, we are out of the door. So I have problems of my own. The Bible says about the virtuous woman that she stretches out her hands to the needy. When you stretch out your hand, you take it away from yourself. And that means that you go beyond self-centeredness to reach out to others. Go to a place where people meet, where people congregate, and where there's activity. You know, but you want to marry, you're always in your house. Any church activity, you won't come. Everything is a bother. Everything is, it's a burden. You just live to work and work to live. Go to a place where people meet where people congregate and where there's activity. You know, but you want to marry, you're always in your house. Any church activity, you won't come. Everything is a bother. Everything is, it's a burden. You just live to work and work to live. It cannot be that way. Now, when Rebecca got to the well, you know, in the olden days, a servant wore a servant's robe. So you would know that he was a servant. 
So when Eliza asked Rebecca for water, she could easily have been very saucy to him. Because are you a servant? Why are you coming to? But she said, I'll fetch you water, my Lord. From his dresses, she knew that he wasn't a Lord. But she was very polite. And very kind and caring. That is why she gave water to Eliza and then to the camels. Some of us would have said, but me, I'm a woman. I should be taking water for the well for you and your camels. If anything, I to ask for my bucket. But not for me to be rendering you a service. Ladies, men need to be cared for and pampered. <laughs> no matter who they are. When your husband is sick, don't say the paracetamol is there, the soup is on the stove, be happy. The Bible says that he who does not take care of his own is worse than an infidel. Sometimes you go to work and the way you care for your bosses. When the boss says, I need a cup of coffee. Yes, boss. With milk or without milk? Brown sugar, white sugar, which sugar? Even when he hasn't asked you for tea. Say, no tea today, sir. When your husband asks you, say, the kettle is that you do not see. Did you not see? The reason why Delilah was able to captivate Samson was because she gave him his lap as a resting place. Your husband is your prince. You must soothe him and pamper him some of you are saying but lady pastor he's not romantic we do not do good because the other person does us good to walk in love agape love is unconditional love it is not a love you dish out based on subject to good behavior there's no such thing you do it in spite of the person amen so learn to even talk to your husband in a loving way sometimes he's worried he's stressed but he won't talk because men have a problem they're not as verbal as we are you know it's time to just come and put your hand on his shoulder and say, I can see that it doesn't look like things are together. But I know that you may not be ready to talk now. Should you wish to talk, I would always be there for you. In that case, in that case, in that case, you have taken the pressure off him to say what is happening by all means. But at the same time, you are offering comfort to say that if ever you need to talk, I will be there. So I give you that option. If you want, take it. Hallelujah. Life is short. 
That's why the Bible says, enjoy life with the wife of your youth. Because life slips by very quickly. Either Jesus comes or one of you is called to heaven. So don't let's spend all our time bickering, discussing, going to the UN negotiation table. If you want to be successfully married, there are times when you need a deaf and a dumb spirit. And even a blind spirit because you see, you behave as if you have not seen. You hear, you behave as if you have not heard. And when you should speak, you decide not to speak. The Bible says, it is the honor of a king to overlook a matter. It is not that it hasn't happened, but you decide the beasts and happiness. Which one? Let me just let it go. You know, one thing you must always know is that your partner, whether your wife or your husband, will fail you sometimes. And that is what most of us are not prepared for. We think that when the person fails us, it must be because he didn't know he was failing us. But human nature will let the person fail you sometimes. So be prepared for failure. And both of you will be running shift on failure. He fails you, you fail him. At different seasons of your life. So you must be prepared for that. But most Christians live in a, an Ethiopia. You, you think that life is perfect. And we set very, very high standards for our spouses. And so the good things that they are doing, we don't see. And we see the issues that have to be sorted out. But life is short. And we cannot spend our whole time having negotiations and discussions. Now, even though Rebecca's marriage looks like an arranged marriage, Eliza kept asking Abraham, what if she's not willing to come? So the woman's will is important in the marriage. And God does not call you to go into a marriage you are not willing to go into. Because when we all say, oh, you are a good pair, go for it. And then you come and stand here to have and to hold it. When you go home, the two of you are you. And we are also in our homes. So you have to live with your choice. So you must ask yourself, am I willing to spend my life, the rest of my life, with this person? Your willingness is important. Even if it's somebody who was doing matchmaking, your will is still important. And I think that marriage can be approached from different Perspective. Sometimes the two of you meet each other on your own. Sometimes it's people who bring you together. It doesn't matter how it happens. You must just be willing and want that person in your life. In marriage, you, you need humility. And Rebecca was humble. That's why she could talk to a servant. She could give water to a servant's camels. And say, whose daughter are you? Oh, my Lord, I am this person's daughter and all that. It takes humility to marry. If you are proud and unyielding, you are not ready to be found. Because marriage calls on you to give up self. 
And if you're also not restrained by the word of God, then it won't work. Because you will always go by how I feel and how I think. And how many of us know that it doesn't work that way? Marriage will humble you when sometimes you even have a master's degree. And you end up changing diapers and wiping vomit of your children for three years. As if you never went to school. Marriage will humble you. Sometimes you feel you are so right in a discussion. And say, I'm right. What I think is right. And yet you have to give in. Although you feel you are right. And I think that when you feel you are so right. And the other person is totally wrong. Then there's something wrong. You must always think that. I think I'm right. But I always, always leave a little niche for just in case. I am not right. And sometimes in my situations, the husband feels he's right. The wife feels he's right. So how do they move forward? Each person feels they've heard from God. (laughs) This one says, stop doing this. This one says, this is what God has called me to do. Or this is what I think I should do. Now they've taken intractable stances. Everybody's. So what happens? The Bible says, count the other better than yourself. That means that count his opinion, his way of looking at things, and his interests better than your own. Marriage is serious business. And it's not easy to say, I count your own better. Because if you look at it, it's a foolish something that's happening. Bible says seek peace and pursue it. Jesus said if someone slaps you here give the other cheek. What? My husband has slapped me here not physically. But by the matter he has slapped me here I give him here. Says if somebody asks you to go a mile go two miles. So when your husband is stretching you one mile he says go two miles. And that is where the pain is. And that is where the dying is. That is when you believe the verse, I am crucified with Christ. (laughs) The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. If you don't have faith, you can't marry. Because you don't have faith in God's word. You don't have faith that the circumstances you are seeing can change. You don't have faith that God can change your partner. Because you are not the personal Holy Ghost. You are not the agent of change that God has called. God himself is at work in us, all of us, to will, work and will of his good pleasure. So, to do his good pleasure. So, we are not the ones working within our husbands to change them. And that's why women get frustrated. Because they think that they must change them. And especially when they are godly men, next. Count the other better than yourself. It takes a laying down. It takes unsurpassed humility. But you know what? As you humble yourself because God's word says so, the Bible says the Lord will exalt you. The Lord himself will exalt you. But when you are not looking at the Lord and you are looking at that man, then as you are laying down your life, you are insulting him in your head. That's why the Bible says, submit unto your husbands, as unto the Lord. If the as unto the Lord is not there, it won't work. 
But when you lift up your eyes and you look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, then you decide, I will obey this word. And the Lord himself has an, his own way of coming into your situation. So you need humility to marry. Amen. The younger sisters, are you ready to marry? The Bible says about Rebecca that she was a virgin. Some of us maybe did not know Christ in time to know that we should be virgin. By the time we met Christ, Satan had messed us up. But we can still be pure in the state in which we find ourselves. Nowadays, holiness seems to be an outmoded thing. But the Bible says, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So we need to walk in holiness as Christian women. But most of us have become what suits us, what is convenient. And whenever it comes up, we say it's all under the blood. But the Bible says, shall we continue to sin so that grace will abound? It is sad sometimes, you know, the level of impurity we find in the church of God. And that means that we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to change us. God never met anybody and left the person the same. The woman who was caught in adultery, Jesus said, go and sin no more. He could just have ended at go, you are forgiven. But he said, and sin no more. He was interested in transformation. And God is still interested in the transformation of our lives. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. So sisters, let us keep our purity. I know that it's not easy. And I know that sometimes you love the guy. And the passions are rising high. But often we are the ones to put on the brakes. And the guys, when it comes to the crunch, will give you 35 reasons why you must comply. But after, they will treat you like I'm non-treated Tamar. Bolt the door. Get this woman out. And they'll say, this girl, she's very weak. The very people who got into the act with you. The woman was caught in adultery. Have you noticed that the men who were involved were never brought to Jesus? It was a woman, but it takes a man to commit adultery. But it was a woman who was brought for it. When people want to marry, they say, is she a virgin? What about you? What about you? Sin is sin before God. But society has made it so that when a woman is that way, it's very bad. When a man is that way, it's acceptable. But the Bible says, do not be conformed to the standards of this world. If we want to be found, we must walk in purity. Not only before marriage, but even in marriage. We need to keep off from compromising situations. Because many things, we don't plan it that way, but we end up that way. So let us have no confidence in the flesh. The Bible says Rebecca was fair to look upon. Marry someone you are proud of. Not somebody that when you go out with, you don't want to introduce him. <laughs> and people are asking you, oh, but who is this? Who did you come? 
Is it your cousin? No. Marry somebody you are proud of so that you can submit to him. If you marry somebody you are not proud of, you cannot submit. You cannot respect him. You say, but this one, what, what is he saying? He also has an idea. What, 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 what is he talking about? It will not lead to respect. And the brothers, marry somebody you are proud of. If you are not proud of us, don't marry us, please. Leave us alone. We are not that desperate. Hallelujah. Marry somebody you are proud of and somebody you can introduce. Not that you go into public and then you get lost. Your wife doesn't even know where you are. You won't even introduce, oh, this is my wife. She's just standing there. And then you are introducing other people. This is my shepherd. This is my, then she, she's nothing. (laughs) May the Lord forgive you your sins. Marry somebody you are proud of. She was fair to look upon. You know, you need to be sure of what you are choosing. And don't marry just the, the packaging. Marry the contents of what is in it. Because the packaging can change. And even men, the packaging can change. You marry him with a shock of hair, and later everything is gone. You marry him with a flat stomach, and when he's coming, we think he's nine months pregnant. But when you marry the person within, even when all those things manifest, you still love him. Because as you marry and the years go by, I think the marriage is like wine. It gets better with the years. You become more relaxed with each other and you even know your partner's reaction to many things. And you become more forgiving. I don't know how it is, but you become more forgiving, more accommodating. But when you are younger, you want to sort out every issue. When you are older, you just look at things and you even smile at the very things that you were irritated at. When you first got married, if your husband left a wet towel, it would be a hole. Now when he leaves, so you don't even have the strength to talk. You just pick it up. When he leaves his shoes, you don't say, how many times do I have to tell you not to leave your shoes? It's nursery, nursery. So when you have been married for some years, and then you are counseling younger people. You sort of smile to yourself and you know, these are teething problems. It will go away. But as they are in it, they are very serious and they don't see what you are seeing as teething problems. But it really gets better. Amen. After about 15 and a half years of marriage, I can say that it gets better. Amen. So marry what you are proud of. Not something that you are embarrassed about. Marry the person within. Because at a certain stage, you need to be friends, you know. It's your friendship that will keep the marriage. But if you have nothing to talk about, there was a couple I advised not to marry. Because when I asked them, so what do you talk about? Oh, nothing. I said, what do you mean nothing? Oh, 
I tell her, I love you because this and then that's it. So do you chat? No, lady pastor. Really? I said, then you are not friends. So well, if that's what friendship means. So what do you do? You fornicate all the time. When you are not friends and you meet, what will be, and you are not talking, you will just fornicate. <laughs> the man was very interested in ministry. And the woman is just there. You know, so I asked them, so do you talk about the future? What I would like to do? You know, normal, ordinary things that ordinary people talk, not even Christians per se. No. Hey. So the lady's sister told me, Sister Mami, I don't think they should marry because there's no friendship in the relationship. So I told them what I thought, but as to whether they will obey it, well, it's up to them. So make friends before you make love. Make friends. You know? Talk. Chat. Share interests together. When one person is drinking the coke and has not finished, the other person quickly drink the other person's coke. I mean, let there be games and playing and excitement. In your house. Amen. We don't always want to live in a cemetery. The Bible says about Eliza in verse 21 that and the man wondering at her held his peace. If you want a man to wonder at you, take care of him. When you take care of him, he will wonder at you. Eliza was not the prospective husband, but he just was wondering at her. He had already been captivated by Rebecca. Now we stopped at um, verse 25, but we have to read on. Verse 26. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham. We'll be ending soon to go for lunch. Don't worry. Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man, unto the well. And it came to pass, when he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands, and when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. And the man came into the house, and he gathered his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels, and water to wash his feet, and the men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, Speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and heads and silver and gold and men servants. And verse 36, and Sarah, my master's wife, bare son and all that. Okay. Now let's read verse 57. We are skipping. So Eliza says all his business. What happened at the well and how the woman looked after them. And, and then verse 57, they said, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. 
And they called Rebecca and said unto her, Will thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Verse 58, and they called Rebecca, no, 59, and they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebecca arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels, and followed the man, and the servant took Rebecca and went his way. Now I want us to continue reading. And Isaac came from the way of the well Lahiroi, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife. And he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Amen. Amen. Now when Rebekah was found at the well and the man put all those jewelry and gold and things on her it was a sign of saying we intend to marry your daughter rebecca didn't say let it just end at the well i'm ready to go let's go she went and she told those of her household you are not an island amen you belong to a church you belong to a church family and you belong to a family so no matter don't tell me it's cultural I mean, there are people in your lives that are involved in your life. So they have to be informed about what is going on. But you don't just say, it's it's my decision, so I'm just going on with it. You must marry and leave home with a blessing. When I was a lady, I was going to marry, also comes with territory. Everybody comes with territory. So you must accept that. Some of you say, I like the man, but I don't like my in-laws. Hey. They are part of the territory. Your mother-in-law may be cantankerous, but she's part of the territory. (laughs) You just have to ask for grace and wisdom to know how to live with her. Your father-in-law may be some way, but it's part of the territory. You can't say that I don't want them here. This house, they are not coming. They may not come often, but they are involved in the man's life. Amen. And so look at the person carefully and say, can I marry him with all his territory? Maybe you are melancholic. You've gone to marry a sanguine who throws things about. It's all part of the territory. So leave home with a blessing. When Rebecca was going, she said, blessed be thou our sister. May you possess the gates of your enemies. Leave home with a blessing. Leave your spiritual home with a blessing that we can impart to you. Not that you are going to bring some Muliganos person and the church cannot pronounce a blessing. I tell you recently, one of our greatest pastoral materials, that's why now I can see that the devil will use anything to abort God's call on people's lives. I mean, pastoral material from Ghana. 
When he preaches in the hospital, the sick people, they get healed. They receive Christ. I mean, then you got a scholarship. Traveled somewhere out there. Still going to church and all that, but now he was getting married to a Baha'i girl. Baha'i. And when he's, as a lady pastor, she's trying to come to church. She comes to church all right. But when the pastor sat down to talk to her, when they were getting married, she said, oh, I'm Baha'i. I'm not prepared to give up what I believe. That's what I believe. And the guy too says, oh, she has been so kind to me. I have to mind. I thought women had that problem. But men. So he got married, but not in the church. And the temple priest for Baha'i came and read whatever verses. This is a serious Christian at a certain level, at least to our mind and to our eyes. But he has married purely into Baha'i. And then he says, oh, we've decided when our children are born, we've agreed that they'll be brought up the Christian way. But as I look at the woman and the way she's Baha'i, I think they'll be brought up in the two ways. You marry a person with all that territory. Now you are beloved. He even frowns at your coming to church. Then you want to overlook it and marry him. I knew a lady when she irons her clothes capture, the husband would put it in water. I knew a lady who was a Christian and she backstage she was telling lady pastor, tell my story, tell my story. And even though at times I sent somebody who was going to marry an unbeliever to her. In spite of that, the person still married the unbeliever. Her husband can come to church, park in the middle of the road, and insult him openly. Openly. You, you are a fool. You things that you can't say. You don't think. You are this. And the lady developed a strategy. When he comes during prayer meetings, he's talking. You know, people are speaking in tongues, so you can't really hear. And the man is also manifest. Then the woman behaves as if she doesn't know him. She just tells him, And she tells me, I was a Christian. I love the Lord, but I made a mistake. So leave one with a blessing, not a curse. Be prepared for a wider family, in-laws, church members, etc. And then have something to mark the event. Men, I'm not saying have an elaborate wedding, but have something, a memorial. God was interested in memorials. When he would bring the people across the Jordan, I said, take 12 stones. So that you won't forget. Let me institute the Passover. So that you won't forget. Let me institute communion. So that you won't forget. So allow us to celebrate a little. But some of you are so hard. Me, I just want my wife and my, I don't want all this ceremony. Why? You may not need to even come to church. But at least mark the event with something. Rebecca was being taken away. But the event was marked. It makes it more significant when there's something to mark it. But when you say, me, I don't, let's just go to the county, whatever, and sign. Why? What? Whatever. No friends, no pastor, no. Why? You need to mark the event. And some of you women, to see your, your husbands who want to celebrate, and that's for you, life is always serious. Hey, be happy. And learn to celebrate events. Amen. Now, Rebecca was asked, will you go? Nobody said, go by force. So know that when you are found or you marry, it is your own will that you expressed. 
And when you get into it, God doesn't expect you to come out. For better, for worse. In sickness and in health. In adversity and in prosperity. So death has due part. When you are standing here, you don't think about it. And you think that the people who wrote the vows, they just wrote in sickness and in health. Oh, as for us, we we'll always be healthy. There are times when sickness poses a challenge to the marriage. In joy and in pain. They are all part of it. That's why the people who wrote the vows, they had lived before you and I. So they knew that they didn't just write in health, in riches, in prosperity. Charismatics, when we came on the scene earlier, we said, we, we don't believe in sickness and from health to health, prosperity. To, that's what their vows were. But the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So we don't know better than God. So now charismatics say, for better, for worse. <laughs> in sickness and in health, till death has to part. So when you are saying, I do, I will, it's not just for that day. It's many years down the line. When you are heartbroken, I do. When you are hurt, I do. When you feel insecure, I do. When you feel unhappy, I do. When you are depressed, I do. So think about it, whether you are ready to be found. Are the single sisters here? Now, when Rebecca went with them and they met Isaac, he had gone to meditate in the fields and was coming back. Even though his eyes were lifted up meditating, he took time to notice Rebecca. Some of you are so spiritual with your eyes in the cloud. You don't want to relate to your wives. And you always say, oh, it's the call, it's the ministry. You also have to notice the woman that is riding on the camel. In your life. Hallelujah. And when Rebecca asked, what man is this? And the servant said, oh, that's my master. Rebecca was discreet. As a woman, you must learn to be discreet. When she met Isaac, she didn't lose all her guts. Hey, I'll be waiting. No. The Bible says she lighted off the camel. She covered her face with a veil. And then she went lightly to him, you know. You like him, but with style. Give him something to work towards. Not that everything, here you are, here you are. I'm happy. I've come. I'm overexcited. Amen. And some of us ladies, when we are in a relationship, we even do the pursuing too much. The Bible says the older women should teach the younger women to be discreet. To be discreet means to, to behave as if you are with shamefacedness, with sobriety. You know, as if you are shy, but you are just a bit modest about everything. But not that, oh, Isaac, here I am. Let's go into the tent, please. Slowly. Let it build up. Amen. Discretion. Discretion comes into the way you dress. Discretion comes into the way you sit. Discretion comes into the way you walk. Some of us, we walk as if we've been sent. 
then we sit. We sit anyhow. But you are a woman. You have to know how to sit. Amen. You don't just sit anyhow. You come and sit by us. You are now chewing your gum, rolling it, blowing. Blowing bubbles. Why? Discretion. She covered herself with a veil. Don't be in a hurry to expose yourself so much. Don't be in a hurry to be a sexual object so much. Look with anticipation, but also be discreet. It adds to your market value. It does. Men love challenge. Amen. I remember when my husband would talk to me, he was always speaking in parables. And I also decided not to understand the parables. So I remember one evening, he was going to study somewhere, and then I was seeing him off. So he said, so if I asked you the million dollar question, what would be your answer? I'm like, what's the million dollar question? So if somebody said he wanted to marry or well, I said, well, it will depend on the person. Then he asked me something else. So would you have an answer for the person? I said, I wonder. <laughs> and then he went on and he asked me another question. I said, I wish I knew. You know, I had some three-part answers. I wonder, I wish I knew. And then there was another one. I forgot. <laughs> I mean, why do you come and speak parables? One day he was supposed to go for a meeting. He was running late. So I'm going for a meeting. The musicians are practicing and all that. Okay. So I was going down to Osu. Then I met her. Ah, didn't you go for your meeting? Oh, I was going for my meeting, but then I thought that let me visit this special friend I have before I go and all that. So I suppose you are supposed to say, oh, it's me. I'm like, oh, really? It's like, let's go on with what we are talking about. You are now coming to play politics. <laughs> Ladies, don't hear till you hear, I tell you. Let them say it in black and white, not parables. And... Hallelujah. Well, at the end of the day, it didn't matter whether Rebecca's marriage was arranged, whether she hadn't seen Isaac before. The Bible says Isaac took her into the tent and loved her. At the end of the day, the most important thing is that your Isaac must love you. And your Isaac must want you. And the Bible says that Isaac, after he had found a wife, was comforted. You as a woman must bring comfort to your home. Isaac had lost his mother, Sarah. And I sometimes think Isaac was a very phlegmatic man. You are there, you are 40 years old. You are not even talking to your father about marriage. He has to think for you. <laughs> and when your father goes to bring you a wife, you have not even prepared a tent. So he takes you to Sarah's tent. I mean. <laughs> but Isaac loved Rebecca. And sometimes in the name of romance, 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 we miss out on God's blessing. Sometimes you just see two people, you know that they'll make a good pair. 
And so you tell them, oh, I think this person will make it then. They work on it. If they want it, they flow. But it doesn't mean that because you didn't meet him on the train and there was no love at first sight and there were no fireworks and things, it can't be real. Those ones rather <laughs> are sometimes very airy. So at the end of the day, your Isaac must love you. And you, like Rebecca, must bring comfort. You know, we are, as women, we are called helpers. Some of us think it's a derogatory name. But I think it's the greatest compliment the Lord could pay us. Because the Holy Ghost is also called the helper. And the Holy Ghost also brings comfort. The Holy Ghost guides. And the Holy Ghost teaches. So we may not be in the main seat. But we must not play down our role as women. Because the Holy Ghost, Jesus could not do anything without the Holy Spirit. May you be such a woman that the kingdom of God will miss you when you are not around. Your home will feel it. That something has gone out. But some of you, when you leave, your home will be relieved. (laughs) May we learn how as women we can bring comfort to our homes, our children, our churches, and our communities. And may you be found in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand to your feet. I just want you to spend a few minutes talking to God. Talk to him about your relationships. If you are married, talk to him about your marriage. If you are not married, talk to him about your life and your future. But above all, You want to center your heart and your mind on him. May he give you the grace to do so. Hallelujah. Lead me, Lord. I will follow. Lead me, Lord. Father, thank you for your word that has come to us this afternoon. I lift up every life represented here. Lord, you know the state of our homes, the state of our lives, the state of our relationships. I pray that you will give us the wisdom to put everything in the right perspectives. I pray for healing for our homes, healing for our lives. And I pray that we as women will find our place in your plan for humanity and for life and that we will flow with it. I pray for those who are believing you for, for mates. I pray in the name of Jesus that like you brought Rebecca to Isaac, you will bring the right man to us, Lord. I pray that our whole concentration and everything will be you more than on any man. I pray that we will put our priorities right. Thank you for what you are doing in our lives. May you continue to minister to us in the times ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.
It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.